Hello, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I know you are thoroughly going to enjoy this episode. So let me ask you, do you often feel like a hot mess of emotions? Well, you might just be an empath. In today's episode, I talk with Jennifer Moore about what it means to be an empath. And you'll learn if you have the gift of empathy and also how to use it for your advantage for personal freedom and success. So stay with me to meet Jennifer Moore here in just a minute. I know you will love her energy and her unique perspective on turning your hot mess of emotions into a thriving success for you. Now, next Sunday, November 13th, I talk with Dr. Marla Goldberg, who is a master metaphysician and a self-love ambassador. We discuss what it means to be perfect in our imperfections and that we are also beautiful spiritual beings having this earthly experience. This is an exciting episode about self-love and forgiveness. You won't want to miss next Sunday's episode with Marla Goldberg. And also, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. And also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and now TikTok. All these links are provided in the show notes for you. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at butterflykissespodcast.com. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is available. And if you like what you hear on today's Butterfly Kisses, please leave us a five-star review. That would be more than welcome and very much appreciated. And also, please share this with your family and friends, because the more we can inspire others to shine their light, the more of an impact we can make on the world. And now, please help me welcome Miss Jennifer Moore. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you having being on our show. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in your journey. What was your spiritual transformation like? Thank you. Well, first off, Amy, thank you so much for having me here. It is such a pleasure and honor to be chatting with you today. So I have always been a magical, curious just interested in spirituality person since I was like pretty much born. And wow. I actually attribute that to my birth experience, which is that I was born with two placentas that bifurcated or so that my mom's uterus was just like covered with placenta. And I had an umbilical cord that was basically like went off into two placentas. So it's very likely I'm an assimilated twin. But because of this, basically, when my mom gave birth to me, she nearly hemorrhaged to death. And so she was right at the gateway of like life and death, giving birth to me. And my great grandmother, who my middle name is after, sort of showed up to kind of be there with her. So my personal theory is that I came in through the outdoor and <laughs> my ex and so where I think most people are born and go through that sort of amnesia process because they come mm -hmm. through the portal into this existence and all kinds of stuff gets forgotten and all kinds of stuff gets dissolved. That was not my experience. So I came in with a lot of extrasensory perception and a lot of capacity to connect with spirit. 
And so I was always a very sensitive, very emotional, very kind of hyper aware child. But I was nine when I had my very first prophetic dream. And this was when we had a next door neighbor who had been my very first BFF and they had left our area and moved out of state a couple states away. And it had been a couple years from when I had last seen her. But one morning I awoke from a dream where I had dreamed my mom had died and I had the worst day of my nine-year-old life. Like it was just absolutely awful. I just felt heartbroken and crushed and just this, this feeling of dread just completely consumed me. And at the end of the day, we were at the dinner, dinner table and my mom said, so-and-so's mother died of breast cancer last night. And I knew, I just knew that my dream was directly connected to the death of my, the death of my friend's mother. Like, I just knew that that was what was going on. And I, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day, and I was thinking about it. It's like, for many people, this would have been the pivotal moment where they would have been like, oh my God, I don't want to know these things. And they would have like shut that stuff down. I got really curious and it didn't even occur to me that sort of the gift of prophecy or the ability to dream about people dying was something we didn't want to have. <laughs> and so instead of, instead of it being this sort of like, oh my God, I don't want this. It was the opening for me where I became really curious about the paranormal and about extrasensory perception and about these things. And so at that point in time, though, we're talking about like the like early, like late, we're talking, I'm going to date myself, but we're talking about the early 70s. And that was a point in time when we didn't have a lot of information about any of this stuff. You know, you had like those, like you could go to the library and find like the three shelves on paranormal stuff by Hans Holzer, you know, <laughs> and that was about it. But I was really fascinated. And shortly after that experience, a couple, maybe a few months later, my mom was talking with me and she said, you know, I read this article about this thing called ESP. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where somebody says a word that just like, it's like reverberates, like you're hearing the word for the first time, but you know, it's life changing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I hear the words ESP, like reverberating in my head over and over again, because I knew the moment she said those words that there was something, it was so important for me to know about this. And so once I had that key, once I had that sort of like the, the GPS of like mm -hmm. information information about this then I was able to go to the library I got adult library privileges as soon as I possibly could get them because I was just just hungry for knowledge and I was going into the paranormal sections and just reading everything I could so long answer to to a question but basically for me it started pretty much from let, get the get-go but especially at nine my very first prophetic dream and first awakening that then led me to be like I must know more I must learn more I must understand more did you ever feel different oh god yeah yeah I felt different from the start 
I knew I was different. I knew, I knew I wasn't like the other kids. I knew that I, like, I didn't get kids. I didn't understand how they could like not be worried about things. I didn't understand how they could like, just be so oblivious to like the emotional things that were going on. Like they were just kind of, I don't know, whatever. And so I, I knew, and the kids knew too, like I experienced quite a bit of teasing and a bit of bullying and harassing, but a lot of teasing, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of like, you're weird, you're different, you're, you're not the same. Mm. So not only did I feel different, but the children in my world knew I was different too. And so I'll actually say that one of the things that every so often I hear people talking about, everybody's an empath. I'm like, no, everybody is not an empath. And I think it's a real disservice to those of us who are highly sensitive and empathic to say that everybody has this ability. Maybe this ability could be cultivated within everybody, but in the same way that I am not an NBA player and I will never be an NBA player and nobody in their right mind would ever hire me to be an NBA player. <laughs> I really believe that there are, that some of us have way more capacity for sensitivity and psychic ability and sense and and sort of paranormal awareness and that then other people do mm -hmm. so and I do think that there are some of us who just from the start we are recognized like the other children are like you are not like the others like you got a weird red nose and we're not going to let you play in on the rain reindeer games here <laughs> but everybody can bounce a ball though right I mean for the most part for so the most part I mean honestly I was horrible at bouncing balls I was really bad at sports and my eye-hand coordination was just really awful so I could kind of bounce a ball but I was really awkward with that <laughs> and just really really uncomfortable I actually gave myself a bloody nose with the handle of a baseball bat because I was trying to practice and it took me years. And actually it wasn't until I was doing an EFT session where I was the in the hot seat and somebody was facilitating for me where I suddenly realized that the reason that I smashed my face with a baseball bat handle was because the baseball bat was way too big for my little tiny, like, you know, mm -hmm. six-year-old self. And that essentially the top of the, because I was holding, my father was pitching, I was holding the baseball bat and I moved the baseball bat across. And then as I went, the handle kind of the bat flipped forward and so the handle pivoted and smashed me in the nose. <laughs> and I basically, I, and I ended up with a bloody nose from the baseball bat, but it took years to realize that it was because the baseball bat, I wasn't choked up high enough on the bat, but I also wasn't strong enough because it was an adult sized bat. And I was a little, little girl. And basically the weight of the top of the bat was too heavy for me. And it flipped forward and smashed me in the face. But so I was bad at sports, just saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I can kind of agree with that as well. I was not, we, well, we played on a baseball team, softball team for a while, and we called ourselves the bad news bears because we only won one game. And that was because the other team didn't show up. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would be the kind of team I would have been on. <laughs> Absolutely. And I probably would have been benched the entire time. I was definitely the second, I was either the last or second to last person picked on the team pretty much my entire childhood. And I got to say, that is one thing I'm really grateful that phys ed has changed and it is not doing quite, you know, there isn't necessarily the pecking order thing where it's like, 15 minutes of agony is happening at the beginning of every single game for children where it's like the popular kids are picking each other and just and you got these other children just standing there feeling like are they ever going to choose me I was always so afraid I wouldn't get chosen and then I was always afraid that I would get chosen yes like yes because if I got chosen then that meant I would have to perform as the pressure yeah yeah a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure. pressure Well, and I had this one sort of bizarre fluke where I was really good at volleyball. Like I was incredibly good at serving volleyballs. Me too. And how bizarre. I was awful at everything else except for serving volleyballs. And so they would always pick me first for volleyball because I was good at volleyball, but I was horrible at absolutely everything else. (laughs) So, and that, but then I like, after a number of years of sort of, I started to experience performance anxiety. And then I unfortunately lost my magic touch with volleyball. So, yeah. So what did your parents think about your empathic gift? So, you know, I, I mean, at that point in time, I mean, my mom is very sensitive as well and highly, very, very emotional. And so my mom really did the best she could to support me. And she was the one who sort of introduced me to the concepts of like EFT, not EFT, ESP and, and the paranormal. But at the same time, there was a fair bit of you're overreacting, you're taking it too personally, you're being too sensitive, stop worrying about it, just get over it, suck it up, just like you need to develop a tougher skin. One of the things that my, that the answer that I got from my mom in particular was when kids would harass me or would tease me, her answer was so frequently, oh, they're just jealous of you or yeah. yeah. Or if it was boys, oh, they like you, which can I just say, this is the most lethal thing we tell little girls. When a boy is harassing you and being a jerk, it is not, we do not want to encourage little girls to think that this behavior is an acceptable way of saying I like you. And yet, I, I know that I am not the only person who got that message. Like mm-hmm. when little boys harass you, it's because they have a crush on you and they like you. So I wasn't given any tools for dealing with this. I wasn't given any tools other than, oh, just ignore them. And pretty much like, so I found myself in the situation where I just didn't really know what to do in terms of the social parts of being so sensitive. But the other thing is that My mom is somebody who was very emotional and very easily like pulled into the riptide of her emotions. So my mother, I grew up with somebody who was like staple hand to forehead, stop the world. I need to get off. I'm having a feeling. And so in my family, emotions pretty much like trumped everything else. Emotions had this way of like taking precedence over everything. Mm -hmm. And it took me 
many years and doing a lot of work on being highly sensitive and empathic and just really working with the concepts of empathic mastery to really get that emotions are one aspect of the human experience and they do not need to dominate everything. And we also do not need to give them the front seat. So I, gave, I grew up with a parent who put all emotions in the driver's seat. And so whenever emotions were strong and intense, it became an emergent situation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was well into adulthood that I really started to get that it's like, from my perspective, there's five aspects to the human experience that I break down into the elements of air, fire, water, earth, and spirit. And it's like, air is one, air is our thoughts, our intellect, our ideas, the way we experience the world, the way we perceive things, our thought process and our cognitive abilities. Fire is our action and our movement and our behavior in the world. Water is our emotional state and how we engage with emotions and how we dream, our intuition, our felt sense of the world. Earth is our body and our our physical sensations are what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can sense in terms of the actual physical physicality, like the kinesthetic experience of it. And then spirit is that beyond the beyond con- connection to the divine, the things that we can't possibly know. But when you start, when I started thinking about emotions and as one fifth of the equation, instead of the entire equation, which is what I grew up with, it really allowed me to start detaching from my feelings and letting it be like, yep, you're having a feeling. It's uncomfortable. That's okay. Let's just ride through this anyway. Because on one hand, I was being told as a child, I was being told, don't take it so personally, don't react to it, let it go, get over it. But on the other hand, I was also being the model or what was being demonstrated was that emotions had the ability to pull the emergency brake and derail us from everything else. And so it was this weird kind of, on one hand, the emotions have no value. And on the other hand, they have all the value and all the weight and all the importance. Mm -hmm. That is so true. I grew up being very emotional, being very, and living in that emotions. And it was, that was my reality was the emotion I was feeling at that time. So before we get any further into empaths, can you explain to those who have absolutely no clue what an empath is, what an empath is, and what as an empath you experience, or how can you know if you're an empath? How can you know if you're an empath? I love this question, and it is such an incredibly important question. And part of it is, you know, I'll just say that right now, empath has become a buzzword. It's everywhere. You've got all kinds of people who are like, I'm an empath. And what I have noticed and what I believe is that empathy is there's a spectrum of empathic sensitivity. On one side, we have sort of the so you know, the sociopaths who give who who, who don't care at all about anything mm-hmm. or anybody other than themselves and who have could who could not to, who could not put themselves in another person's shoes to save their life. And then on the other side, we have what I call the extreme empath, who are the people who are so immersed in the energy of the world that they are picking up the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations, the pain, the experiences, 
of the world around them to the point where they cannot distinguish what's mine, what's not mine. And what I will say is that an empath is a person who is picking up and absorbing and feeling the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations, the distress of the world around them. Now, it could be that they're just picking it up from people that they are close to. It could be they are picking it up from everybody that's around them. It could be that they are picking it up on a global level and that they're picking it up from the plants, the animals, the, the, whole, the whole shoot and match. And so it tends to be on a spectrum. And, some, and what I find is that in the middle is sort of empathy. So there's a really, so empathy is the capacity to imagine what somebody else is going through. It's the capacity to put ourselves in somebody's shoes and to have like compassion and love for what that person is experiencing. But with empathy, there's also the capacity to identify or recognize that we empathize with that person, but we are not that person. Whereas as we start to become more empathic, what happens is that sort of switching into or pivoting from being having empathy to being empathic is as we start to be empathic, we start to experience the feelings as if, you know, more like we start feeling them inside of ourselves. But with somebody who's empathic, there can still be this sort of like, oh, I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm feeling, I'm feeling this discomfort or I'm feeling this fear. Or I'm feeling this worry, but I'm not sure if this is mine. With an empath, what often happens is that empaths are so open that we are picking up all the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, but we experience them through the lens of our own perception. And so what I find is that the difference between people will talk about, well, what's the difference between a medium, a psychic, an intuitive, and an empath? And the thing about being a medium, a psychic, or an intuitive is that we are open to receiving information, but we understand that the information is coming from a different source. Like we can identify that the information is coming to us and we recognize it, but it has a separation between, it, there's a separation. The challenge in my experience for empaths is that we experience the, we re, we're open to receiving the information, but we experience the information as if it is our own. And we don't necessarily experience the information like we're having like a vision of that person's experience. What often happens is we experience it through the filters of our own experience. So for example, we may be picking up on somebody else's worry. I'll give you an example of something I have a person I've been working with for a number of years who's has had a friend who's been dealing with a chronic, a chronic series, like cancer, cancer diagnosis. And 
And so this person, every so often, my client will go through these experiences where they'll have a day where they're just suddenly really worried about their health, really worried that something is going to happen to them, that they're going to end up in the hospital, that they're going to have this kind of really unpleasant experience. And then they'll get like a text message or have a phone call with this other person and discover that the feelings that they've been experiencing as if they were their own was exactly what their friend had been going through that day. And that the friend was the one who was actually really scared, really worried. But interestingly, this was this friend is somebody who has a tendency to bypass their own feelings and is doing the sort of like, move along, nothing to see here, everything's fine, I'm just fine, and not owning their feelings. And so this friend, who my client, is basically picking up the intensity of this person and ex experiencing it as if it's their own. And that's something that I have also noticed is very common with empaths is that often we come from families where there is a denial of emotion on the part of certain family members and the empath ends up almost being like the designated feeler. So how was that for an answer? Did that clarify this? <laughs> well, it brought in a few more questions. Okay, it works that way. Yeah. Yeah, so one is, I know like for mediums, for mediums yeah. per se, when you have spirits coming in and you're hearing spirits, there's ways that you learn to be able to turn that off if you don't want to deal with the yes. spirits at the time. It's kind of like turning your cell phone off if you don't want to have any phone calls at that time. Is there a way for empaths to do the same thing? I mean, because I could just see walking through Walmart and feeling, picking up on all these feelings that could be very overwhelming. It's exhausting. And what I have found is that the thing about being an empath. So yes, as a medium, we know when basically somebody's knocking on the door and wants to come to us. And thankfully we don't have to experience Whippy Goldberg's experience in ghost, <laughs> yeah. but where we really can be like, I am off duty. If you need to go talk to somebody, go elsewhere, you know, or let's check in later. And it's interesting because mediumship has so many, like there's trans channels where they are completely, you know, like immersive mediums. It seems to me that from what I'm gathering with you and Chuck, that you and I have a very similar way of working with them, where it's sort of like they talk to us in our, you know, we hear them and then we translate information. Mm -hmm. I feel more like a radio, a telephone operator or like a translator when it comes to talking to people on the other side mm -hmm. than I do than I then than being a full like trans channel medium where it's like I leave and they speak through me. But to go back to the question of do empaths have the ability to shut it down or stop it? Yes and no. So what I have found is that when an empath doesn't know they are an empath and they don't understand why they are picking, why they are feeling the way they are feeling, often what happens is they are just walking around in life like an open sore and going to Walmart, Walmart is just a nightmare. And so so like, for example, they go to Walmart and they come away from Walmart and they suddenly just feel absolutely horrible. They feel lousy for the rest of the day. They have no idea why, because mm -hmm. they don't even know that they're picking up all the energy and the thoughts and the feelings that are coming from them. So one thing I would say is that in general, as a medium, when you're talking to dead people, you know, you're talking to dead people like mm -hmm. 
it's pretty obvious. And whereas for an empath, a lot of times the early stages of coming into our empathic power and our empathic abilities is this period where we start realizing that we feel out of sorts, that we feel different than other people, that we're having a different experience, but we don't necessarily know that it's because we are highly sensitive and empathic. And so what I have found is that in order to, the cat just decided to drop my book on the floor. It's like, we're just going to knock you down a peg, Jen. Um, that was so, that was perfect timing on the cat was part. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. No, definitely one of the things that I have learned in life is that one taking oneself too seriously is, is just, it yeah. makes life miserable. But anyway, what I was going to say, what I was saying is that when it comes to recognizing that we are, that we are an empath, you know, the first step of empathic mastery is recognize. And there's two aspects of recognize. The first part of recognize is even noticing that we are feeling out of sorts, that we are having some kind of an empathic over experience of empathic overwhelm. And then the second part of recognize is starting to be able to discern what's mine, what's not mine. And so before we can recognize that we are experiencing this, it is extremely difficult to decide to shut that down. Now, some empaths, and I'm actually just about to do an interview in about a week with somebody who is a young man actually not that young, he's like in his forties, but this man who basically has been a sensitive his entire life, but instead of letting himself feel it has done a lot to suppress it. And the thing about suppression of that sensitivity is that it often comes out sideways. It comes out with weight gain. It comes out with health issues. It can come out with emotional distress issues. It can come out with a lot of anxiety that we cannot navigate. It can come out with insomnia and dreams and weird nightmares and dreams. It can come out with addiction. And so the challenge is that if we do not know what we're dealing with and we try to squelch it down, it's kind of like that those days when they used to have the contact paper that you could like the sticky paper that you put on top of shelves and things like mm -hmm. that. And it would be inevitable that there would be that one air bubble somewhere in that piece of paper that you were desperately trying to move. You can't flatten it. All you can do is move it around. And I think that's the thing about being an unresolved, like an un, like a new newly discovered or not yet discovered empath is that we can push that bubble all around, but it's not necessarily going to go away. So how can, how can you, if, if you're going into Walmart, I keep using Walmart because yeah. that's where I normally pick up on lots of different yeah, Walmart is its own yeah. special place. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it is. is. Walmart it is. is like, I think Walmart is a portal to something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah. 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 Like there's yeah. nothing quite like Walmart. Like I just think like Target has its own vibe, but Target is not Walmart. No, no, no. Walmart, Walmart is its own little entity. It really so when, is. When you're walking through Walmart and you leave there and you're feeling, ugh. Or feeling, how can you know, besides being in Walmart, whether or not what you're feeling is actually yours or somebody else's? 
Well, so one of the very first things that I think is a good indication that it's not yours is if you were feeling completely fine before you walked into Walmart and you come out of Walmart and you are feeling absolutely horrible, then there is a correlation directly between fine before Walmart, went into Walmart, came out, feel lousy. You can pretty much do the math here and ascertain that it was as a result of being in this space. And so a lot of times, one of the ways that I can, I have found is pretty consistently a way to identify if we are experiencing empathic overwhelm and distress is that if we were chugging along, just doing completely fine, and then out of the blue, we start feeling intense feelings, we start feeling out of sorts, we start feeling out of balance. Usually that kind of like, I was fine, I was coasting along, everything was great. And then suddenly I started to have these emotions. I started to have these feelings. I started to feel out of sorts. That is usually an indication that we're picking something up from something outside of ourselves. And some of us actually, and I think a lot of empaths in my experience, not only pick up things that are going on currently, but we also frequently pick up things that are going on, that are going to happen in the future. And a lot of times we will start feeling like the tremors, you know, sort of in the same way that animals can often sense like storms coming, earthquakes coming, they can feel things and they get like way advanced warning compared to us limited humans with our extremely limited perceptions these days. The animals can sense it. I believe that empaths feel the ripples of an event that happens because in my experience, intense events are like a big boulder or a big rock getting dropped into the river or the lake of time. And when something's really intense and really powerful, it sends ripples of energy and ripples of distress out across the entire lake of time. And so, time, so these ripples go forward in time, but they also go back in time. And so what happens is those of us who are highly sensitive will often be feeling the reverberations from something happening in the future, but we start feeling them as they are hitting our timeline and where we are in the time. So, so cool. and, and being able to identify and recognize that literally took me about 20 years of experiencing these disconcerting premonitions to start to be able to understand the feeling, the very distinct feeling they have, and that it means something is coming. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you are and your audience is like many of my me and my clients lately with all of the stuff that has been going on, particularly here in the United States, it's just been like every week, it's like new something, just these waves of intensity just coming at us. It's been nice actually that it's personally, like I felt like a little bit of a respite since the last new moon. So mm -hmm. since we had, you know, so, so the, for the last two weeks, it's actually felt like I could breathe. And it has, I just haven't been feeling like I've been bombarded by all of the intensity, but there was this period leading up to the new moon where it just felt like every single week, it was just like another kind of wave of intensity coming at, at me. And I know coming at a lot of my clients as well. So do you have to feel these feelings that are going on within you? I mean, I know that our subconscious, our unconscious mind 
likes to try to take emotions and attach it to a memory. We have to know what's going on. Right. Our subconscious likes to know what's going on. Our ego does as well. However, if I'm going through Walmart and I'm catching, I'm feeling all these intense feelings and I realize, okay, well, they're not mine. What do I do with them? So for me, when I get to that place where I recognize that I am taking on other people's thoughts, feelings, energy, and just like suddenly I walk by somebody who's maybe struggling with like they're trying, they're, they're struggling with their budget and their grocery bill. And they're just panicking as they're like doing their grocery shopping or something. I can, when I start to, when, once I realize that I am picking up what is coming from somebody else and I recognize what's, that it is not mine, then what I can do is I can release. And so the second step of empath, so there's five steps to empathic mastery. I'll just list them. So recognize is the first step. Release is the second step. Protect is the third step. And the reason that is not at the very beginning is because if we have been picking up and absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, energy, sensations from the world around us, we're kind of like a really dirty sponge or another description I would have is like, it's sort of like if you got in, if you had drawn a bath and you got into the shower and you washed all of the, of the stuff off, but then you got out of it and you just pull the shower curtain around to protect, you know, to sort of like create like a barrier around the shower curtain, you're just going to have like a bathtub filled with funky, dirty water unless you drain it. And so we got to wring out the sponge and we got to drain the bathtub before we can put up protection that will work effectively. We can certainly put a ball of light up around ourselves. We can certainly put some protection up, but the problem is that if we do not address the energy that we're already carrying around inside of ourselves, that energy from within will corrode and erode all of our protective filters and shields and energetic support that is on the outside. So protect is the third step then because the universe abhors a vacuum and basically, you know, we really, it's like, we don't want to leave the space empty instead of just letting go of the negativity and then leaving the space open. The fourth step is connect. And that's all about connecting to a power greater than ourselves, connecting to divine source, connecting to energy that is positive and replacing all that negativity with positive energy so that we are, so that space is being taken up. And then the fifth step which is really kind of the advanced step of empathic mastery is act, which has to do with living our life in a completely new way and making choices that do not, that do not continue to send us down the path of people pleasing, codependency, finding ourselves just sucked into the drama and all of the things that empaths can easily get sucked into. So to answer the question, you're in Walmart, you notice you're feeling out of sorts. The first question that I really like to ask myself, so I put my hands over my heart and I take in a deep breath. And I just ask myself the question, is this mine? And that's the first thing I do. Is this mine? And usually the answer that I get back is yes and, or it's, it's both yours and something else. Because one of the reasons why we can get so pinged by the things that are going on outside of us is because there is something resonant within us that is, that, that is carrying the trapped emotion, the trauma, the experience in the past 
that re that is resonating with it. So, I mean, most of us have had a period of going without or trying to struggle, trying to choose between do we buy the do we buy the two dollar jar of peanut butter or do we buy the one dollar loaf of bread and the the dozen eggs or something like mm -hmm. like where we're trying to figure that out. And so what can happen is not only are we feeling and sensing the distress that is going on in the world around us, but we are also getting stuff inside of us that's triggered. But the thing is, this is not just about our own stuff. This can be inherited distress. More and more, we are finding evidence that trauma is inherited and passed down in our DNA. And so we don't just have our own stories. We have the triggers and the traumas that are coming from our ancestral line, and it goes back. And so we also have, we also have the social traumas, we have the social distresses, the things that have been the historical events that we've heard stories about that sort of can, can really, you know, kind of rock our world. And then there's also the past life experiences. So there's the things that are getting triggered from our own experience in this lifetime, the stuff that's getting triggered from our, the stuff that's getting triggered from our from previous lives and the stuff that's getting triggered from our ancestral lines and the stuff that's getting triggered simply by being human on this planet and having gone through things. And we're hitting critical mass right now. The stuff that's going on in across the planet. I mean, we've got pen, this, this never ending <coughs> pandemic. We've got all of this political unrest and distress, we've got practically, I mean, this divisiveness between sort of the red and the blue in the United States, we've got, we've got, and we've got all of these, these periods, as well as the stuff that's happening for women's rights right now is really, really triggering the witch wound for a lot of women. It's bringing up a lot of memories of persecution. It's bringing up a lot of different stuff. And basically we're kind of like, it's like, you name it, it's getting pinged, you know, mm -hmm. the rise of fascism, epidemics, pandemics, political unrest, women's rights being decimated, all of these things are all things that have happened for us as a species throughout time. It just happens that we're hitting critical mass where it's all happening at the same time. And so as empaths, not only are we necessarily going to be having our own intellectual experience about it or our thoughts and feelings, but we're also, and, and I believe this is true for all human beings, that part of why people are so distressed right now is because there is so much resonance to things that have happened in the past. I also believe that because of the level of stress that we've been experiencing here on in here on the planet, really, for the last, you know, pretty much since the beginning of 2020, that a lot of people cannot compress or compartmentalize or stuff down their emotions the way that they had been able to before. And a lot of people are awakening to their empathic sensitivity in a way that they never had before. And people who had not been feeling things or not been taking it on or sensitive to it, it's like it just, our protective filters and shields that were adequate are no longer adequate. And a lot of people are feeling way, way, way more sensitive. 
I completely agree with you on that. So I, I feel it myself. Yeah. Just sometimes I can't even turn the news on. I just oh my God. I on. have had to completely, you know, I had really done the work to be pretty good about not taking on all the thoughts, feelings, and energy from the world around me. And I was pretty much like I was be what I would call a recovering empath where I was really in pretty good shape. And then right at the beginning, like right as we went into lockdown, but especially as it started to get really intense, like April and May of 2020 was absolute, like I was awakening in the middle, like in, like at five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning with my heart pounding and feeling like I had literally been plugged into an electric socket. And at first I wasn't even sure what was going on. I was like, am I dying? Like I did not know. And it was only after going through it and experiencing what I now call the COVID surges that I was, that I started to understand that I was experiencing these waves of terror that were right, you know, that were just running across the planet. Mm -hmm. And so I had to completely adapt the way I'd been functioning in the world. One of the things that I did is like, my tolerance for violence on television, even fictional violence just completely went, you know, just went down the tubes. I went through a period for about six, seven months where all I could watch was like benign stuff. And for the most part, I just binged watched Good Witch, which if you haven't ever watched is very, very, very sweet. It's like a Hallmark series about this woman who's like kind of this, this like healer psychic witch named Cassie Nightingale who runs a metaphysical store and a gift shop. It's very lovely. It's by Hallmark. It's really, really, really sweet. But that was about all I could, I could tolerate Good Witch and Grey's Anatomy. And <laughs> <laughs> like, which I know some people are like, Grey's Anatomy, that's loaded with trauma, but they're the formulaic way that the trauma is expressed and also the fact that they were addressing the trauma. It's very satisfying to me as both as an empath, but also as an EFT practitioner and trainer, acknowledging trauma, like acknowledging the problem is definitely something that really, like when somebody can say, yes, this is a problem, I am much more comfortable than when somebody's like, no, no, move along, nothing to see here, everything is fine. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. I love Grey's Anatomy and I have I, not uh, heard of The Good Witch, but I'm going to have to check that out. You, too. It's, it is delightful. It is delightful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you are a Shonda fan. Oh I'm yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Burned I'm, through I'm, a lot of, a lot of Shonda <laughs> during the pandemic. I'm, I'm binge watching now. Uh, this is us. I had to oh, yes. watch all of the episodes. Uh-huh. Totally. Like, have yeah, you done okay. private practice? I love private practice. I too. love yeah. private practice too, yeah. actually. I really yeah. loved private practice. I was yeah. very sad when that went off the air. I was too. It was really a bummer that it, they, they, they pulled it. I could understand why they did that, but yeah, yeah. but yeah. it was, but it was very sweet. Really loved it. it. Was. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, how can people work with you? Where can they find you? So you can, people can find me by jumping on over to empathicmastery.com. And if you want to get a, my mini e-course on sort of starting taking the first steps with empathic sensitivity, you can go to empathicsensitivity.com and sign up to get my free guide. And like, basically you're going to get a bunch of email that's just going to lead you through things and teach, start talking to you about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic. And that will also lead you to be able to join my free Facebook group where I teach, I offer monthly master classes on the full moon talking about topics that are relevant to, to empaths. I did 
I did our class last night, actually, we had our, our class and it was called, the class was called Release. And I was talking about all kinds of techniques and tools that we can use to let go of all the distress that we're carrying around. So empathicmastery.com and or jump on over to empathicsensitivity.com. I love it. I will make sure all of that is in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So one last question before we wrap it up. I can't believe it's already been. I know we have whipped through this. I know it's been a great conversation, Mm -hmm. but if you have an hour and you get, you're allowed to speak to whomever you'd like to speak with for an hour and pick their brain, their knowledge, whether that person be on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil, who would it be? And what would you talk about? So interestingly, I immediately was like, I would want to talk to St. Therese, our little flower. And I don't know if she was the French Therese of Lisot. She was this Oh, just amazing. And I mean, there are so many people. I mean, I'd love to talk to Mary Magdalene. I would love to talk to Hildegard von Biggen. I, but, but for some reason right now, I would really love to talk to St. Therese. And I think I would love to talk to her about how she navigated being so sick and keeping her and holding her spiritual practice and holding her incredible devotion and just the ways that she navigated life but also like I just I think I would I don't even know if I'd ask her questions as much as I would really just love to be in her sweet 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 presence and just kind of like receive the infusion of her faith and her devotion so I had no idea I was going to say that I'm like (laughs) Um, but but for right now it's like saint therese would be who i would i think i would love to talk to that would be an interesting conversation it would be wouldn't it yeah Yeah. i like like her and yes i would definitely definitely go down there that would i would love to begin on that conversation yeah 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 well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on Butterfly Kisses today and oh, sharing Amy, your journey with us. It has been such us. a pleasure. It has, and it's been so quick. And it's just, I just love conversations like this that just flow naturally. And you, you've been a gem. So thank you. And thank you thank for doing you. what you do. Thank you. And interestingly, my literally, my initials are gem, Jennifer Elizabeth Moore. <laughs> That was one of the nice things my mom did for me was she actually named me Jem. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, mom. <laughs> well, you have a wonderful day and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It really has been a pleasure, Amy. And thank you, Chuck. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.